Good morning. Uh, before I preach to you this morning, I want to talk to you about something else. Um, and uh, when John was pastor of our church, he always said if there was something very important in the news, we ought to talk about that. And I think I should talk to you about something this morning. Um, I don't know if, like me, uh, you have been horrified by the news this week. I just felt twice as if I'd been literally punched in the stomach when I heard, first of all, uh, the White House um, advocating the use of torture, and secondly, when I heard the White House saying that they were going to ban uh, people coming in from many Muslim countries and indefinitely from Syria. Uh, I don't need to read Bible verses for you, to you for you to know that that goes directly against Jesus' direct teaching um, in both cases. So, you know, the question is, apart from sort of feeling sickened and upset, what can we do about it? And of course, in many ways, the answer is not very much. But I think there are some things that we can do that are important. I think we can pray about this situation. I think it would be good for us to contact Christian friends in America and tell them that we're praying about it and just praying that the situation will change. I think we can write to Jeremy Hunt, our Member of Parliament, or if you're a visitor, your own Member of Parliament, and say that we should get the British government to protest in the strongest way. I mean, think if another country, a small country, had done that, we'd be cutting off uh, relationships with them and putting sanctions in place. We need to be very strong about this as a country. And if there are online petitions asking for government to discuss these things, I think we should be supporting that. And I think God has told me to tell you that this morning. So, thank you. And now, uh, on with the uh, sermon. Um, I really wonder uh, how you like to learn best. I wonder what sort of learner you are. I wonder if you're a learner who likes to learn best of all by sort of someone talking to you and you writing neat notes and sort of getting it all nicely lined up and it's just really sort of, you, you're just good. This will be good for you. This, if you're that sort of learner, being taught from the front didactically would be great for you. Or I wonder if you're somebody who likes to learn by doing. Best way of learning is by doing. So maybe rather than you listening to me this morning, we all ought to be sitting around little tables and sort of talking about things and sort of getting on and acting it out, that sort of thing. I wonder if you're the sort of learner who likes to learn pretty much by yourself, by sort of deep study and really thinking about getting to grips with something. Are you that sort of learner who likes to study very, very carefully? Or are you the learner who really, more than anything else, likes to learn in a group? If you're a sort of big house group fan, you just love to be in a group and the, the group feeling together uh, uh, is the way you love to learn. Well, it's all down to your personality. And if you study psychology, you know that this sort of idea comes from Jung and then it was developed by Myers and Briggs and particularly by someone called David Kiersey, a psychologist. And it's fantastic because you can think about how you like to learn and then you can make sure that that is the way you actually do learn. Now, the great thing is that Jesus knew this. Jesus knew how people like to learn. So he taught us 
in all sorts of different ways. He taught us by parables for those sorts of people who like to work it out for themselves. He gave them the starting point and then said, go away and think about it. And sometimes the disciples said to him, well, we've tried to think about it, but we really can't work it out. And then Jesus would sometimes tell them, but sometimes not. Um, he, He also taught by example, by doing something and then saying, do it things like this. For example, the woman at the well, he told her about everything she had done and then he forgave her. Or the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he actually, by example, just said, you can forgive this person. Jesus taught by challenging the actions of others. Challenging the actions of others. Like turning over the tables, saying, this is so wrong, the way you're defrauding people of all their money, And he taught them in that way. And Jesus sometimes taught, but not all that often, by direct didactic teaching, actually saying uh, exactly what we should be doing. And this area is somewhere where Jesus actually taught very, very, very directly. I'm going to call this love without limits. And I I actually prepared this sermon sort of about ten days ago, so... uh, I don't want you to think there's any connection with what I'm going to read out now with what I said before I started preaching. But uh, this was from Time magazine, not this week's Time magazine, but last week's Time magazine. I just want you to listen to this. And uh, it, it says this. This is about President Obama. A great deal of how we see the world depends on our outlook. For eight years, President Obama gave the American people the example of his careful careful consideration, compassion, rigorous intelligence, and, wonder of wonder, love. Love was not something I would have previously thought to look for in a president, but now I'm wondering how I'll do without it. It was there in all the pictures taken of the president with children, the mutual joy in every encounter, It was in the expansive tenderness and respect he showed his family, mother, mother mother-in-law, grandmother, sisters, daughters, Michelle, Michelle and Barack Obama. If you lived without an example of respectful adult love in your family, all you had to do was to look to the White House to see how it should be done. And the title of my sermon this morning really is Love Without Limits. Love Without Limits. Let's listen to Luke's take on the Sermon on the Mount, on this little section of the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm just going to read, this is Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. But this is my word, Jesus continued, for those of you who are listening. Love your enemies. Do good to people who hate you. Bless people who curse you. Pray for people who treat you badly. If someone hits you on the cheek, offer him the other one. If someone takes away your coat, don't stop him taking away your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you, and don't ask for things back when people have taken them. Whatever you want people to do, do that to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Think about it. Even sinners love people who love them. Or again, if you only do good to people who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Sinners do that too. If you lend only to people you expect to get things back, what credit is that to you? 
even sinners lend to sinners to get paid back. No. Love your enemies. Do good and lend without expecting any return. Your reward will be great. You will be children of the highest. He is generous, you see, to the stingy and wicked. You must be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So here we have direct teaching from Jesus, straightforward and clear. The kingdom was about a glorious, uproarious and absurd generosity. Jesus was saying, think about the best thing you can do for the worst person you know and go ahead and do it. Think of something you would really like to be done to you and then go and do it for someone else. For, for those of you who are tempted be nasty, to be nasty, just be lavish in your giving. And here we see new life breaking out everywhere. So that we learn, as we practice this, we learn to love without limits. Jesus gave a new rule book. I don't know how you are with rules. Um, Sort of when I was at school, I suppose there were rules on the wall of the school and then in the sort of wonderfully enlightened 60s, 70s and 80s, the rules came off the uh, walls and now in the sad 90s and 10s, they've sort of come back. Uh, but when I went into the school, King, uh, Holy Trinity, where I was for many years, they sort of had got themselves stuck in the 50s and there were all the rules on the wall. I think there were 25 rules in every classroom and they were in very small writing. And on the first day, probably heard me tell the story before, but on the first day I went into the school, um, I sort of got into the first class and looked at it and looked at these rules, went in the second classroom and sneered at them a bit and went into the third classroom and pulled them off the wall. And Philip said, well, you can't, you can't do that. People will be very upset if you do that. And I said, well, I'll be a lot more upset if they stay there. And we sort of managed, to the most amazement of the government, I should imagine, to sort of get through my 25 years as head teacher there with one rule, which was basically be kind to each other. And really, you don't need anything else, in my humble opinion. Um, and when, you are, when you're loving without limits, you don't need a big long list of rules. You need to know how to love God. And God's generosity to all people and his amazing and astonishing mercy is how we know what God is really like. And we know that that's the way we should live too. This is a revolutionary passage. It's the sort of passage that if we really believed it, really took it on board, everything would be different. What kind of God are we dealing with and what kind of way of life occurs as a result of that. You see, in the past, people often believed in a gloomy God, in a penny-pinching God, in a God who wants to make life difficult and salvation nearly impossible. As a child, I sat through 20 years of a hard, harsh gospel preaching. And, you know, it may be that can have one of two effects on people. It either can make you hard and harsh, or maybe it can make you go too far the other way, which sometimes my children say to me, do you make it all sound a bit too easy, Dad? Sometimes so. I apologise if this sounds too easy. But I think it's what God's saying to us this morning. 
So this passage also teaches us that the Christian God is different. And if this love percolated through all of our society, there would be no more revenge. There would be no more violence. There would be no more division. There would be no more class. There would be no more caste. Property and possessions would become less important than loving our neighbour as ourselves. Imagine it. Imagine. Imagine the John Lennon song, and it's so sad, isn't it, that it says, and no religion too, because if proper religion was practised, if we re- everyone followed Jesus' way, then the sort of idyllic world that John Lennon tried to imagine actually could, take, could be uh, in place. Life would be exuberant and different and astonishing. And people would stare because we were so different. Just thinking about this, and you know, I just wonder if, I don't know, I'd have to, I need to think more about this, but maybe the Jesus people of the 60s uh, were much closer to the truth than the Puritans of the 17th century. And Jesus dramatically showed in his life and his death how he was living, living the loving way. Jesus' life was full of exuberant generosity, giving everything of himself to everyone who needed it. He spoke of a father who he loved extravagantly, who loved us extravagantly, and called us to live a lavish human life in response. And Jesus lived it. He lived it right to the end. When they struck him on the cheek and ripped his coat and shirt off his back, He went on loving and forgiving. He didn't just love his friends, but wept over the city of Jerusalem that had rejected his plan for peace. So he loved everyone. So here are some instructions in how to live God's way. You can read the details and and the importance that we go the extra mile and that we turn the other cheek. Words that have come into our, our daily use. But it's an astonishingly simple and direct and memorable message. Yet societies which purport to be Christian sometimes live in the exact opposite way of this. Let us make our fellowship a place where we can love without limits and because we know exactly what God is like. I'm going to uh, watch a video uh, song now and uh, this just sort of expands that a little bit more. When my heart 
And I hope you won't let